Hollywood's coming today. I'm not going to lose my house. Those two thoughts surface in the same moment as the sun starts to brighten my room. I've been paid for my screenplay, and the bonus money for letting them film here will hit my bank account at noon. Goodbye unpaid real estate taxes. Goodbye credit card debt. And to think, Ben's saying goodbye to me has made it all possible. I don't know how this day could get any better. I hop out of bed, grab my heaviest morning sweater, and head downstairs. I pour my coffee and go out to the porch to watch the sunrise. Whoever buys this house from me, I always think, will tear it down. It's over a hundred years old. Everything's broken. There's a certain point in January when the wind blows right into the kitchen and we have to duct tape a fleece blanket over the doorframe. The floorboards droop. There are only two bathrooms, and they're both upstairs. Each bedroom has a closet designed to house six outfits, preferably for very small people. Ben had a list of house complaints he used to like to run through daily, and I could never shake the feeling that he was really complaining about me. This house is a disaster, sure, but I fell in love with it when I first looked down the long, windy path of the driveway. The magnolia trees that line either side touch in the middle, so that now, in April, you drive through a tunnel of pink flowers. When you emerge onto the main road, it feels like you've been transported from one world to another, like a bride leaving the church. It feels like a treat going out for milk, and it feels like a treat coming home. The house was built by a British doctor named George Faircloth, who lived in Manhattan and came upstate to Laurel Ridge in the summer, which explains the complete lack of winterization. It was built to be enjoyed on a 78-degree day and primarily from the outside. I imagine his landscaping this property like a maestro, arranging the magnolias and the forsythia beneath them to announce the beginning of spring. After a long gray winter, these first pink and yellow blooms shout, something's happening. By May, they'll have gone green with the rest of the yard, a quiet before the peonies and hydrangea bloom. I knew I'd do anything to live here when I saw the tea house in the back. It's a one-room structure the doctor had commissioned to honor the ritual of formal tea. Where the main house is flimsy white clabbered with peeling black shutters, the tea house is made of gray stone with a slate roof. It has a small working fireplace and oak-paneled walls. It's as if Dr. Faircloth reached over the pond and plucked it out of the English countryside. I distinctly remember hearing Ben use the word shed when we walked into it, and I ignored him, the way you do when you're trying to stay married. The first morning we woke up here, I got up at first light because we didn't have any curtains yet. I took my coffee to the front porch, and the sunrise was the surprise of my life. I'd never seen the house at 6 a.m. I didn't even know we were facing east. It was like a gift with purchase, a reward for loving this broken place. I stand on the porch now, taking it in before the movie crew arrives. Pink ribbons, then orange, creep up behind the wide-armed oak tree at the end of my lawn. The sun rises behind it differently every day. Some days, it's a solid bar of sherbet that rolls up like movie credits and fills the sky. 
Some days, the light dapples through the leaves in a muted gray. The oak won't have leaves for a few weeks, just tiny yellow and white blooms pollinating one another and promising a lawn full of acorns. My lawn is its best self in April, particularly in the morning when it's dew-kissed and catching the light. I don't know the science behind all of it, but I know the rhythm of this property like I know my own body. The sun will rise here every single day.